often we enter these referral arrangements, it's all about us. And that's a natural thing. But what we've got to really look at is what's in it for them. What's the win for them? What's their business win? What's their personal win for actually having partnerships with you? Where referrals don't work is that people go in it just thinking about themselves and what they're going to get out of it rather than a win-win situation. You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, the podcast for coaches, thought leaders and change makers who are ready to become the standout expert. If that's you, stay tuned because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I want to help you build a successful business sharing your expertise, generate the impact and income you need to create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. Are you ready? Let's enter the lab. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Paul. It's great to have you joining me today. Thanks a lot, Sam. Great to be here. I'm really looking forward to today. You've been introduced to me by a very good friend of ours, Melanie Benson, and I always know that any referral from Melanie is someone that we need to be talking to. So shout out to Melanie. Before we jump in, why don't you let us know a little bit about what you do, the kinds of clients that you work with? Yeah, sure. So I work with predominantly coaches and consultants and it sort of comes from my background. So I I left corporate, I worked for Coca-Cola for 18 years, had a great career and then I left because of my health and I became a coach. And then I realized I was a better consultant than I was a coach. I had all of this knowledge that I wanted to share and I knew the authenticity of a coach should, should always come from the coachee. So I migrated and I suppose I just love helping them and how I help them is with our sales. So a lot of them have, you know, gained business through networks and their close network. So what I do is help them to get outside of their network and build consistent referrals. So that's what I do. I'd love to know what it was, like what were the little triggers that had you move from that coach to the consulting space? Because I think that's really interesting. Yeah, so I studied with the... I think it was called the Institute of Executive Coaching and Leadership, Sydney, Australia. And it was fantastic, but though predominantly helping executives. Now I'd been a, you know, I was a director at Coca-Cola. So part of the reason I wanted to leave was because, you know, I was a little bit tired of corporate life and I wanted to run my own business. Plus also I was setting up to look after my health. And so I thought, well, I'll start with coaching. I love helping people. I'll do that. And their training was brilliant. And it was all about, you know, effectively the coach E owns all the content within the glass. So if you think of a glass of water, they own the water. And what you're doing is just moving the glass in different angles to get them to see things in different perspectives, which was great. And I love the concept. I love the theory. And I, I really do like the coaching aspect, but I realized that a lot of the issues or a lot of the opportunities that people faced in corporate were the same ones I had. And I you know, and it was like I was back in corporate myself. I was sort of hearing the same things and I'm like, you know, this is like a bad movie. <laughs> Just keep- yeah, this is why I left. <laughs> Spot on, keep replaying. So, you know, I work with some, you know, big blue chip companies, some amazing executives, but I thought, you know what, this is not really for me. And if I'm going to leave corporate, I really need to leave it. So that's when I thought, no. And I'd worked on some boards of some small businesses whilst I was at Coke gearing up for the change. So that's when I flipped and I went and became a coach or an advisor to small business instead. And I've really kept that ever since. Thanks for sharing that story because I just thought there might be someone that's listening that's not quite feeling that like they're on point with what they're doing, not quite feeling aligned. 
And just hearing that from someone else's mouth might be just what they need to think, hmm, maybe I need to make a little tiny pivot here. Yeah, and I think some of it was like the safety net. It was like, you know, it was like a mid-step. And I thought, hang on, if you're going to really make the break, you got to make the break, right? And you might as well do exactly what you love to do rather than sort of, it was like I was doing what other people expected of me. So that for me personally was, no, come on, burn the bridge or burn the boat, as they say. Let's, you know, let's go and do what you really love to do. And I'm so glad I made that decision. And I help a lot of coaches. So, you know, and, you know, that, yeah, and some people love to do that, which is completely fine. So if you're one of those, that makes perfect sense. But like you said, it's a bit of a niche there. Go and scratch it, which I didn't and, yeah, haven't looked back. Love that so much. Living life by design is what I'm all about. And I know you are too. You've got a crazy story, a crazy backstory of, I think, probably a back against, like many back against the wall moments that none of us would have even experienced anything like you have. And what I think is probably the best friend in the world. Your best friend can have the title of the best friend in the world. Why don't you share about your backstory just before we jump in? Because I think it's very inspiring. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I suppose it was, you know, you got to play with the cards you've been dealt in life, right? And yeah, at 18, I found out I had a condition called polycystic kidney disease. And how I found out is mum had three massive heart attacks. We nearly lost her. And then we, you know, her dad had died at 41 of a heart attack. And basically half of the family had died from heart attack. And they went through it and it's like, no, the kidney failure caused the heart attack, right? So you've got a kidney disease, it's 50-50 at birth. And that's, what you're faced with. So at 18, I thought, well, you know what, I'm not going to sit back. I'm going to make the most I can. And that's why I went to work for a high performing company like Coca-Cola and do the best. But yeah, in 2011, my nephrologist said, look, you know, it's getting a bit dicey here. If you want to see your grandkids, if you want to extend your natural kidney as long as you can, flying around the world, working as a director of a corporate is not going to help. So that's what really drove me to flip. And then, uh, you know, sort of set my business up knowing that that was going to be the case. And I didn't want corporate also to look after me. I felt like I needed to look after myself. So, you know, I did several things which we can get back on. But in 2018, I had a removal of the kidney. So the cyst make your kidneys large. So it was about half the size of a soccer ball. So fairly large. And that didn't go well. I just got through that actually. It turned into emergency surgery. It was a bit ugly. But then in 2019, I had the transplant. It was from my best friend, Brendan, and it was an amazing story. And and my mum, you know, she was on dialysis for 10 years and was very unwell, but she waited, I think, to see, because I was the first in the the family to get a transplant. She wanted me to get a better outcome because she always felt a bit guilty. And yeah, Brendan, that she'd known for 30 years, like, you know, another son, stepped up to the party. He was out in two days and he's doing great. He he went to Everest Base Camp and I call him every second day now. And yeah, it's just an amazing bond that we've got together. So if you're not a donor, please, you know, I saw so many people's lives change from the benefit of getting a donor organ. So if you're not, yeah, please go out and get on the register. Oh, just what an amazing message to be able to share here because I'm an organ donor. It sits on my license because I think, well, once I'm gone, I want other people to be able to live an amazing life like I have. So I'm so I'm so pleased that Brendan was able to give you that gift and that we can chat here today. It's amazing. Yeah, and Sam, just quickly, if you are 
listening to this in Australia, just have the conversation with your family because your family can override your yes your intentions. So it's really important to have that conversation. Thank you for bringing that up because that is definitely something else that I've done because I heard that from someone else. So thank you for sharing that. This episode is made possible by Your Podcast Concierge. Editing your podcast can be time-consuming. Your Podcast Concierge offers comprehensive and affordable podcast production and social media marketing services to help you grow your podcast and business faster. Go to yourpodcastconcierge.com and book a call via the Let's Talk button on the homepage and receive 50% off your first month when you mention Thought Leaders Business Lab. All right, let's jump into today's conversation. You are an expert in helping people with sales strategies. Obviously, working with a company like Coca-Cola, you know, sales must be a huge thing for such a big company. Yeah. Why don't you start by talking about your methodology that as business owners, we need to build to start to build out our sales strategies? Yeah. And look, after 28 years of experience, like the Coke company trained you better than I think most companies on the planet. It was a brand that had lots of experiences and 10 years running my own business. I sort of back engineered what are the key things. So if you're a coach, I think there's sort of three key things. So one is you got to connect with people. The second is you then got to convert those connections into sales. And then the third thing is once you have the right offer, why not go out and collaborate with other partners to bring you more clients? So they're the three key Cs that I've come up with, which really help people you know, have confidence in their sales process, but most importantly, get the amount of clients and the amount of revenue to have freedom in their lives. Because most of us, you know, have had corporate backgrounds. We're now wanting to, you know, have our cake and eat it. So have a great business, but also live a good life. I think, you know, by solving that sales challenge, everything else just becomes easier. Absolutely. I often say to people, there's no point having written on your tombstone, you know, RIP, he worked hard or she worked hard. It's just, you know, you get to a point where you're like, yep, I've done my apprenticeship and, and it's time to use that expertise, but also live life. Life's too short. Yeah. Can you take us quickly through the components of each of those three areas? So what are the components of Connect? Yeah. So Connect, the key components is first you want to fill your funnel, right? So that's about creating your ideal client so you know who you want to get in your funnel. So I won't go into the detail of that because I think a lot of people have been told, but we've got a mm-hmm. specific methodology that really helps to nail that. Then it's about creating assets that draw people to you. So it might be a lead magnet, which you know people often talk about, but it's creating the right ones. And then the last one is building that authority on a social platform that your clients are on. So for most coaches, that is on LinkedIn. So, you know, how do you have the right profile? How do you post to draw people to you? And then how do you follow up on people that have engaged in your posts in a way that is respectful and it's authentic? Because unfortunately, there's a lot of people on all platforms that not everyone plays evenly. And I think, you know, you want to cut through all the noise, which is often a lot of pitching on LinkedIn to get to the key thing. So that's the key components of uh, the Connect. Absolutely. And then we move on to the convert. Obviously, this is where we're, once we've connected with people, how do we get them to start to work with us? Yes. So the key thing here is, you know, you're the key person doing all the selling, right? That doesn't mean that you need to be the key person that does all the sales. 
So you get everyone to you, but then how do you get, there's two key components. So how do you use digital more to help people? So I'm not saying automation. I'm saying things like video. So how can you have a video that explains what you do before someone gets in a call? So therefore, it makes it a lot easier for people to like, know, and trust you and pre-qualify before they get in the call. Right. And the other component is the team. So how can people do a lot of the heavy lifting that you, you know, it's your words, but they're doing the lifting component. So then that means that conversion is a lot less time intensive and also it's a lot more predictable. And one of the key things we do, like I've got, is create, you know, a signature system, a genius model. Lots of people will call it different things. But if you've ever been in a situation where you go to an expert and they say, look, I'll customize this for you. Just trust me, we'll get a result. People are like, well, I don't know what I'm really buying, right? You know, like I need more. So I think if you have a very structured methodology, let's call it that, then it's easy for people to see what you're going to give them, but also what the gaps are so they can self-select. So for me, which, you know, we can talk about at the end, I've got a pulse check, which goes through, look, these are the key components you need and have you got them or not? So I'm not trying to sell to you. I'm just saying you yourself. And a lot of, you know, I've been blessed, Sam, with, you know, 28 years worth of sales experience. A lot of coaches out there haven't had that experience, right? They've come from different industries, different backgrounds. Someone else has done the sales. So often you don't know what you don't know. Absolutely. So getting that in a way that supports you and makes it easy for the person to select you rather than you selling to someone, I think is really powerful. So that's the key component of the convert. I love that the predictability piece, because I feel like this is two prong. Like you mentioned, people that are in corporate, they don't have that fallback of the sales experience or the tech experience. You know, that's one of the biggest things my clients tell me is, I used to have a team for that. I'd just pick up the phone or send an email or, you know, reach out to someone to have that done. But also that predictability from the client perspective, it creates that safety for them as well. So predictability, I see that as being such a two-pronged approach. Yeah, and it's sort of leveraging what you do for coaches, Sam, where you're sort of helping them take their IP, put in methodology and then online courses. It's a similar thing I'm doing with sales, right? And they work together that way. And then it just makes it a lot more scalable than, you know, you constantly getting on the call and, you know, like, let's face it, we've all, you know, whether you want to call them tire kickers or I like to think of people, they don't really know what they want. By having these assets and making it easy for people to say, hey, well, actually, do I want that or not? And that's therefore going to save you a lot of time on really working with the people that are a perfect match for you, not someone that could be okay for you. Yeah, you're educating them before they show up on your front door. Yeah, like it. And then we move to collaborate, which is where we're going to focus today. Just briefly explain, you know, your methodology through collaborate. Yeah, so there's really three key areas. So one is you got to pick the right partners to begin with. Then you got to get some quick wins. And then the last thing is you got to make it a permanent schedule. So they're the key things. And let me give you an example. So I had a client that was sold a, a technology, we'll call it a finance technology for simplicity. And he used to get lots of leads from the vendor, right? But they weren't always the right ones for him. And it's not really where he wanted to take his business. So, and he was doing LinkedIn outreach to individuals. And I'm like, hang on, there's a smarter way here. So who goes before you and who goes after you? And often 
what we ended up getting to is that private equity firms, right? So private equity firms wanted better data and what he did was help with reporting. They wanted better data to make their return and also the clients wanted to have better data so they didn't have the private equity firms breathing down their neck all the time, right? So there was a win-win there. So what we did, instead of targeting individuals, we went to a private equity firm, had a conversation with them, set it up, and then they could actually do a webinar to 40 clients at once, right, and convert higher that way rather than selling one-to-one. So that's an example of, you know, what a partnership or what I call a collaboration is. All right, let's jump in to really dive into this because what I want to focus on today is referral programs, how to build referral programs and how to get referral partners because leverage is our greatest gift in our business. You know, having these one-on-one conversations, doing anything one-on-one means that we've got a ceiling on our time and a ceiling on our income. So I'd love you to start off with referral programs. Do they work for everyone? The short answer is yes, because, well, I haven't come across a situation where they haven't worked to date. I think why they don't work is because people aren't trained in how to do them. So I was very lucky, Coca-Cola, you know, I set up a partnership deals with, say, Jim Beam, which were global deals, et cetera. So I was very used to setting up partnerships and how do they work. And not everyone's got that. And what do we all focus on at the moment? We normally focus on our clients right? And we also focus on getting more sales. So often we enter these referral arrangements, it's all about us, right? And that's a natural thing. But what we've got to really look at is what's in it for them. What's the win for them? What's their business win? What's their personal win for actually having partnerships with you? So for that private equity example, it was very easy to understand what the win was for them. But often where referrals don't work is that people go in it just thinking about themselves and what they're going to get out of it rather than a win-win situation. Yeah, and I think, actually, I don't think I know that that is definitely where people step off on the wrong foot. And I, you know, just to take that into a different scenario, it's like going into a networking event and walking in and saying, hey, you know, hey, Paul, here's my business card and I'd love to sell my thing to you, rather than actually learning about who's in the room. And this is exactly what you're saying is how do you have these conversations that add value to other people? That's a win-win. And in actual fact, I think Laura Sprinkle back in an earlier episode, and we'll tag that in the show notes, we were talking about win-win-wins, where it's a win for us as the business owner, a win for our collaboration partner, and also a win for the client. Yeah. And and one of the things that we were like did a course, Strategic Selling, Miller-Hyman, and it sort of, you know, in a nutshell, it told you about who's all the buying influencers and what are their wins, you know, both personal and business. But often what I find is referrals where they don't work is that people don't understand all the stakeholders, right? So I think it's really important. We've got a one page that helps you map that out and it's a nice little process that you can use. And I think that's where a lot of coaches miss also is, you know, they just talk to one person and let's say that person leaves or let's say that person isn't the key decision maker but they assume there is. So I think just working on that area can really help improve referrals. 
Okay, so you mentioned that we need to go to people where there's a win for the, you know, the person that we're going into a collaboration with. How can we begin to start to explore who these people can be? Because I know that so many people get tripped up before they even begin by not understanding who to start speaking with. Yeah, so just ask ask your clients who they're using. So, you know, who are the experts they're working with? What software are they using? So just start asking your existing clients and that normally leads breadcrumbs who it may be. So some of the best coach uh, referral partners, as an example, was it turned out to be an accountant, right? So there was an accountant that basically all they really did was thought leaders. That was their target niche. So that's an obvious one, right? So they then went and worked with their client base. So, you know, yeah, that's probably the best way is just do some simple research to find that. All right. How do we start to reach out to these people? Once we've noticed that there's people that we want to speak to, how does that reach out process work? Yeah, look, most of us have got a a great network, a great connection, but we really have never tapped into it. So the first thing is start with your own network, right? And just go through and however you got it listed, hopefully it's in a sales CRM, but if it's not, it doesn't matter. Just go through and just think about, okay, well, so this is my hypothesis of who goes before and after. Have I got anyone in my network that reaches that? And then what we do is just send out a script and it's, you know, it's fairly simple, but we basically say, look, we're looking for one person who matches this criteria. Do you have anyone in your network that comes to mind, right? So it's simple, but you send it out and you're really doing two things. One is that you're highlighting what you do, which is really important, but then you're just helping them look good because if they've got someone in their network, they know that it's got that problem and they're solving it, that's going to make them look good. So that's probably the easiest place to start with is your existing relationships and always add a personal note to that, right? Why, you know, why you're reaching out, et cetera, and there's degrees of it. But that, you know, just often asking because most people don't ask their partners if they've got clients like the people they help. Totally. You mentioned quick wins. I would love to tap into that because this is something that I talk about as well. And I'd love your take on this quick wins piece. Once you've reached out to people, you may have got a referral, you started working with someone, or maybe you haven't. I'd love you to talk about this a little bit more. Yeah, great, great, Sam. So a quick win to me is like how many times, think of this scenario, right? You have a great conversation where someone says, look, I think I can refer clients to you. You can refer clients to me. That's great. And you have a fantastic conversation. And then what happens? Usually nothing. Correct. Well, norm, for most people, it's crickets. It's crickets, right? <laughs> and that's the sound we could all hear. So the way to always say is just say, can we work on one client, right? All I want out of all of your lists, and let's say they've got 100 clients, can we just work with one that we can start this with, right? And if you just start with that one, there's two things. A, if it really gets commitment or not, because if they're not willing to do that, they're not willing to refer others later, right? So that's really good. It'll save both of you time. The second thing is that then gives you a case study to make it easy to sell into other clients within that particular partner. So that's what I call by a quick win. And, you know, 
I've learned that the hard way by having lots of wonderful conversations that lead nowhere. So we've got a specific methodology on how to do that and how you measure it, et cetera. But that's the core philosophy. Just start with one. You know, I love that so much. And it's a little bit different to how you, I thought you were going to explain that. But you like having an amazing conversation with someone is something that we all have all the time. But, you know, then if there's no process, it can move on. But getting a commitment for one person makes it so much easier for the person that has suggested, yeah, let's do the referrals, because all of a sudden there's that commitment from them. Hang on a minute. Let me think about that person. Instead of getting off the phone and thinking, what am I going to have for lunch? (laughs) Spot on. And look, you know, I remember one of our sales directors once with uh, when I was at Coke used to break it down to, well, just how many cases, you know, that's effectively what we sold, how many cases do you need to sell today, right? So often people get caught into the monthly budget, the yearly budget, right? And it's like, no, what actions can you take today to get closer to your number, right? And I think that's the way that you do with partners. Let's start with one, right? It might lead to 10, it might lead to 20, But if we can't get the first one off the ground, well, then it's not right for either side, right? Because normally you do the same on your side as well. And the case study is so clever because once your referral partner completely understands what the wins are, not just for the person they've referred, but I'm also thinking also for them because there's usually some sort of symbiotic relationship with referrals in that when we refer someone, there's usually some sort of secondary benefit to us as the referrer. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. And also it's a bit of a point of difference. Like if you're in an industry where it's hard to market yourself, you know, you can say this is an added benefit. So these are the things that I give over and above my core service, like this as an example. So they can use it for that as well. What do you have or what do you suggest about a system for keeping that conversation open with referral partners? Because it's not just a one-off conversation, getting that one quick win and then essentially moving into, you know, that whole stage of forgetting. So what systems should we have in place to have that constant, I guess, check-in? Well, it's interesting, isn't it, now with COVID? I love to get everyone's thoughts on this, but, you know, when you used to sit in an office with someone and there's someone near you and you'd see them every day and you'd have a great conversation and then they get moved to another floor or, or whatever would happen and then you just wouldn't see them as much. It's not as if you didn't care as much for them. It's not as if you didn't enjoy it. It was just the proximity, Right. So with partners, you've got to keep them close. So you need to have a commitment to have a weekly call as an example, right? And if they're, once again, if they're not willing to commit to that, well, then the opportunity probably isn't big enough. And you've got to tell them what the opportunity is. So this is, you know, the potential if we work together. But yeah, I think it's around having regular meetings. So I've got a great partner that does LinkedIn ads and, and webinars, Right. And then I help their clients with the sales system part of it. Right. And when I say system, it's like, you know, how to sell those three C's. So we make sure that every week we get together and talk about, okay, how are we going to progress this? So I think that's probably number one. And the other thing is get a permanent schedule. Right. So what does that mean? So it might be even a webinar where you're doing a webinar or they're doing a webinar. Right. So you might say, okay, well, let's plan three for the year. Right. And these are the dates they're going to be. So you've actually got, a big event scheduled. So that means that it it formalizes the partnership. Talk to us about rewards because, you know, there's rewards that there's many ways you can do this. You know, gyms have it where 
as the person that refers, you might get a month free, but the person that joins the gym also gets a month free. Or it might be that, you know, we reward someone per like on a commission basis or what is your thoughts on referral rewards? Do you think we should do them or not? Because I've actually also heard the opposite where people say, I want to refer not because I'm going to get something out of it, but because, you know, it's a genuine referral. I'd love your take on, you know, is it something we should do or shouldn't do? Yeah, look, I don't want to sound like a politician, but it's the pens word, right? It really depends on the industry, what you do. So, you know, to me, there's sort of three ways. So sometimes it's just a pure goodwill gesture. So, for example, you know, part of my methodology, I say, you know, a VA is really important for you to implement it, right? As that goes back to that vert piece. So sometimes I'll just refer a VA service to someone because it benefits me and the client to get a result. So I don't expect anything out of that, right? So that's just, you know, that's fine. The next is that you do have a referral fee. Now, it depends or an affiliate fee. It's roughly about 10% of the value depends on the item, and that's fine. And what I do is I give people a choice, like there's three ways we can do this. Either you get the money, you pass it on as a discount to your client, or the third thing is you give it to a charity that you nominate, right? Or I can give it to a charity. So that's the way that you can do that. And then the third option is where you might have a point system or something like that, where instead of giving them cash, you're giving them items of of value, right? So you might find out what someone loves to do. So let's say someone loves playing music and they've always wanted to go to a particular concert. What you might do is just buy them concert tickets, right? Which is a unique benefit for referring someone that probably may mean more to them what pure dollars and cents are. So they're the three ways that we normally find the best way to set up a referral fee. Do you know what I love about that last one is I think that that brings in the connection piece even more in that if you're paying attention to what someone really wants and that is what you're giving as a gift, essentially, a thank you gift, you're creating that connection even more. So rather than just like, here's some money in your bank account, like, I see you, I hear you, I actually really value our connection and so much so that I have, you know, know what it is that you like and here's a gift that's that. I just think that's actually added layer of really taking that to the next level. Yeah, and look, I always start off with all my sales conversations is I want to know about you first, right? So I want to know about, you know, what do you love to do, et cetera. So I'm collecting that information. I always collect their partner's names and their children's names, often it's, you know, dog names um, or pet names. Yep. And then later on when I'm talking to them, I mention those. And just the power of that, like I had someone that worked with me 12 months ago is now saying that they want to come back and work with me. And he said part of the reason why is he said, I don't know anyone else 12 months later that remember my wife and my kids' names and what was important to me. That means so much to me. Yes, I'm going to get the skills and the experience that I don't have, but also People, you know, we're effectively in the human game. If you're a coach, that's what you're in and you can create those connections just by doing those simple things. It doesn't have to be difficult. I love that so much. Definitely what's going to make us stand out in this world of social, you know, online and automation. And I think that some of these, I'm going to say old school, but they're not old school, but some of these old school principles and bringing them in really make you stand out. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, the greatest thing is we're always out uh, looking for new 
connections, and I get that, right? And LinkedIn outreach and all is important. But don't forget about our network, the people that like, know, and trust us. And it's a lot easier to go to someone and say, hey, do you know someone like this? Than it is to go to them and say, hey, do you want to buy this? So I think that's where it's super powerful. And how often have you done it? All right. And, you know, if you think about it, not a lot. So, you know, what we do is help give you the skills and the tools to be able to do it. Right. But the actual benefit, you've done all the hard work in creating the network. You're just now leveraging off it. And it's like the diamond in the rough. It can create enormous value. And then you don't have to do paid ads. You don't have to spend all this money on marketing, et cetera, that, you know, is high risk. This is a pretty low risk strategy. Just going back to what you said, it's just made me think of this. And I do want to mention it because this is the power of what you're talking about and creating those connections. My husband and I were on a call with a potential collaboration partner last week. And obviously we're talking to business and, you know, how we can add value to each other. Sort of, I don't know, about 45 minutes in, he went, look, he's like, I'm asking you this as a friend, not as a business owner. What is your personal goal? Like, what do you want to achieve in the next 12 months? And how, you know, that's going to help me real, you know, start to really think differently. And we and straight away we told him there was two goals that we mentioned to him. And it's interesting because he sits come back and said, look, it's not going to work this way, but how can we make it work? And normally we'd be like, mm, no, nah, it's not going to work for us. But because he asked us about our personal goals, he shared his personal goals. We're really invested to make it happen. How can we rework this collaboration so it is a win-win? So I think, you know, diving into more, how can, you know, how can we help you achieve your personal goals, not even just your business goals? Because I'm guessing even when you worked at Coca-Cola, if someone was able to help you, I don't know, get tickets to take your wife somewhere that she really wanted to go, you would have taken that over a win for the company. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and like some of the personal wins in corporate might be that someone wants a promotion or someone like there's, yes, there's the numbers, but there's also, well, what's in it for me? And in our businesses, it's the exact same thing, right? You know, for some people like coaches where you're helping with an online course, it might be that they want to play more golf or they want to go see their grandkids or, or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. But but it's not just always about the money. So as long as you're, you know, often the money just really funds the freedom and what that freedom is. And that's what, you know, we try to really help clients understand. And we also try to help the collaboration between partners understand. Love it so much, Paul. Now, you mentioned earlier that you've got to pulse check the questions to see if your sales system, like how to work this out. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, nine questions. And what it is, is going through, you know, my 28 years of experience, I've distilled it into these nine questions to say, look, If you really want a sales system where you might be at the moment doing all the sales yourself, right? And, you know, you don't have that experience and it's not really where you want to be. So you don't have freedom because you don't have the revenue. You know, by answering these nine questions, it definitely helps you to see what's missing because often it's not the intent, it's not the tenacity, it's just that you haven't got certain elements in place. So it tells you what they are. And then based on your result, then I have a call with you to help you with a plan on how to fill those gaps, right? It's not a sales call. It's basically saying, you know, okay, this is what best practice is. You know, these are the bits that you're missing. And if I was in your shoes, these are a couple of the key things that I would do. And that's why I'm a mentor, not a coach, as I said at the start of the interview. Awesome. And we can find that at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash pulse. Pulse, yeah. Did I remember that? 
And if you don't get that, you can head over to samantharali.global forward slash podcast. As always, we'll have all the links in the show notes. But I thoroughly recommend going and getting a copy of that because I am a big, big believer in collaborations and referrals. I think the fastest way to leverage the growth of our business and really, really love this. You've got so many value bombs, Paul. I'd love you to leave us with one thought around referral programs or strategies. Just one thought to leave us with. So just make sure that you understand what the win is for them, the win is for you, and both a business and a personal side. So I think if you're doing that, that sets you up. And then, you know, yes, we can give you all the techniques and skills to go under it. But philosophically, if you get that right, you're going to have a great chance of success. Love it. Thanks so much, Paul, for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Well, thanks for having me on, Sam. It's been great to share another episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab podcast with you. If you want more, head over to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast for the show notes, the links from today's sponsors, and to download your detailed episode companion for the extensive notes and value bombs we shared today. And if you're looking to connect with other experts and change makers just like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive Thought Leaders Business Lab community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at samanthariley.global forward slash podcast.